Well, good morning to you all, all of you here in the worship center, all of you over in the chapel, and all of you at our Minnetonka campus, and then anyone else who's watching online. It's so great that we can come together and worship in spirit and in truth. We're in the very last week of a sermon series called Share, where we're talking about how, as followers of Jesus, we are called to share the good news in the world. You know, that we are a part of what God wants to do to further his kingdom, that he's on a mission to redeem and to restore and to put things back into order that have been broken. And part of that is individual lives. And we have this great opportunity to share what Jesus has done for us with the people around us. And one of the things that we've been talking about is an impactful way that we can go about this is to approach it that we are to bless the world. You know, we don't have to go and condemn the world. We don't have to go and give people lectures, but instead we're called to be a blessing to the people around us. In fact, from the very first pages of scripture, we see that God is on a mission to bless the world. And one of the reasons he says that he blesses us is so that we in turn can bless others. And that can have a generational impact for the kingdom. And that's why it's so awesome, as we just heard from Pastor Dan, that we're investing into the lives of children and youth here in the church because it doesn't just make a difference now. It's by blessing them that they can in turn bless so many people in the future for the kingdom. And so we've been talking about this acronym, BLESS, that can help us remember some basic missional practices that every one of us can put into practice in our everyday life. These are, these are things that we can do easily if we take the time, if we put our energy towards them. So the B in BLESS stands for begin with prayer which is just such a great thing to do for every aspect of our life, right? We need to be people of prayer. It's the most powerful resource that we have been given. But specifically, we can begin each day by praying, God, how do you want me to bless the people that I'm gonna encounter today? God, how do you want me to be a blessing to my coworkers or to my classmates or to my neighbors or even to my family members. And maybe God will put on our hearts somebody specific, a name of someone that we know that doesn't know Jesus. And every day we can be praying to be a blessing to that person. Well, then the L stands for listen with care. I think way too often we we think all the things that we wanna say, all the things that we wanna tell someone, but it's a reminder to start by just listening. You know, what is actually going on in the life of another person? What is the struggle that they're facing? What is the pain that they're dealing with? You know, many, many people simply need a person who takes the time to listen. Well, then the E stands for eat together. We see this all the time in the ministry and the life of Jesus, that he took the time to sit at a table with people. And in doing so, he deepened relationships and he got to know these people at a deeper level. And it's something simple that we can do. We can find people that are on the fringe of society, people who maybe aren't included in the crowd, people who are far from God, and we can simply invite them to come and sit around a table and have a conversation. It's a a great place to put into practice listening with care. 
And then last week we talked about S, which stands for serve with love. As we're deepening those relationships and getting to know people's lives and their struggles and their pain, well then maybe we'll see a way that we can serve them in a meaningful way. There's a way that we can come alongside people to support them or come alongside people to help them. So finally, we're at the fifth missional practice, the final S in the word bless. And that stands for share the story. That we are to share the story of Jesus. And specifically, share the story of what Jesus has done for us, the way that he has impacted our life. But you know, out of those five missional practices, I think this last one is the most difficult for many of us. You know, we probably thought the first four, okay, I can see myself doing that, you know, each week, it it makes sense, It, it fits into the rhythm of my life. But whoa, sharing a story, trying to tell people about Jesus, now that's a whole nother level. There's a famous quote that often gets attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, even though there's no evidence that he actually said it. But it's probably a phrase you've heard before. I'm sure it's something I've used in a sermon before. And it simply says this, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Right? It's a, a powerful idea, a way that we can you know, maybe live our life so that people can see Jesus in us. Nothing wrong with that. But I've also noticed that in some plaques that people put on the wall or some posters or even some memes on social media, there's a, a little change that happens. And sometimes it's, it's said like this, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Now, at first look, there's not a huge difference there, but actually, I think the two words, when and if, actually make a huge difference difference. Because if it's if necessary, that means that there's a possibility that we're never going to have to use words, right? If, if it's if, well, then maybe I'm never going to actually have to tell somebody about Jesus. Now, it's one thing for me to come up here and to talk about Jesus because a majority of you know what you're in for, you know what you're going to get, or at least somebody's going to buy you brunch after the service. But it's a whole other thing to go and, and actually talk about Jesus to the guys that, you know, I, I go and do some activity with or to tell the people that are in a cubicle next to me or even somebody that lives on my block, I think many of us as Christians, we, we prefer the if version because then we can tell ourselves, well, if I just try to get my act together, if I watch my words, if I don't do anything too crazy, you know, maybe I'll, I'll on purpose wear my favorite Christian band t-shirt and people can see that, or you know, I'll put a Jesus fish on the back of my car and call it good. You know, we can convince ourselves that maybe we don't ever have to actually talk about our faith or talk about Jesus. And you know, you know, maybe you just feel like you're not well-equipped. Maybe you don't feel like you know the Bible well enough. Maybe you don't feel like you're good with words. Or maybe you just don't want to come across like a Jesus freak. You know, like, what are my friends, what are my neighbors going to think if I talk about my faith? But here's the truth, church. If we're putting these missional practices into our daily life, if we're praying for people consistently, 
And if we're listening to people carefully, and if we're eating with people around a table, and if we're finding ways to serve, then there are going to be opportunities. There's going to be doors that open where we're going to be able to talk about what Jesus has done for us. We're going to be able to share the story of what he means to us. And now, for sure, we need to be wise in how we go about doing this. We need to be sensitive in in how we go about saying this. But when we get the chance, we need to take it. You know, you can't spell the word bless without that second S. Share the story. Share what Jesus means in your life. And so here's the main idea that I want you to remember today. To truly bless the world like God wants us to means sometimes words will be necessary, right? If we want to bless the world like God has called us to do as Jesus followers, there's sometimes there's going to be these opportunities that come along where words are going to be necessary. The apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 10. He says, how can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And you know what? That someone is you and me. Now, can you imagine a relief organization saying something like, feed the hungry, but if necessary, use food? Or how about a medical mission saying, care for the sick, if necessary, use medicine. Would never happen, right? The idea of using words only if necessary when it comes to the gospel, well, I think it was probably done out of a concern for making sure that our our walk matches our talk, which is always important, right? But I don't think that's necessarily our biggest problem. I think our biggest problem oftentimes is having the courage and the confidence to share what Jesus has done in our life. You know, we often have so many hangups, insecurities, we have fears, we wonder what's going to happen. And so it, it causes us to just be silent when we have these opportunities. We get so concerned with how it's going to come across or whether we'll have the right words. We end up st- staying silent on the greatest news, the greatest story that's ever been told in the history of the world a story that can have a greater impact on another person's life than any other story. So I think it really comes down to this. Are we more concerned with what people might think or what they might say about us or with whether or not people will spend eternity with Jesus? I mean, that's really the question that it comes down to. What's more important? Now, I remember a specific time Quite a few years ago, when I was on internship, uh, when I was in seminary, it was always the third year of seminary. You go and you work in a church and you learn what it's like to be a pastor. You look at kind of every part of pastoral ministry. And so I remember sitting in my cubicle and suddenly I got a phone call and it was a woman who sounded very frantic. And she said, I want you to come and lead my dad to Jesus. I was like, okay, slow down now. What's going on? And she said, you know, my dad is on his deathbed and I want you to come and lead him to Jesus right now. And I instantly started to think about excuses. Like, okay, I could tell her this or that, or I've got a really busy day. 
And suddenly I found out that wasn't going to work because she said, I'm on my way to come and pick you up at the church. So now I'm starting to think like, what am I going to say? Like, do I have any sermons I can preach? Like, diagrams? I've been to different evangelism conferences. Like, do I have the bullet points in the right order? How in the world is this going to happen? And I'm already preparing for disappointment. Like when it doesn't work, what am I going to tell this woman? And so she comes and picks me up and she gives me the story that her, her dad is very elderly and he's just struggling with all sorts of physical ailments. And to be honest with you, I'm thinking like, is she going to slow down enough that I could just like kind of tuck and roll out of the car and just kind of get out of the situation? We finally get to the care center and we walk into her dad's room and I've never seen someone as skin and bones as he. He had just wasted away. His skin had turned black and he was just kind of sighing in pain. And suddenly all my plans went out the window. I'm like, okay, I can't preach to him. There's no diagram I can draw. I don't have a screen like this where I can like point out bullet point. What am I going to do? Well, of course, I start praying super hard. Like, God, what do you want me to do? What should I say? I have no idea what I'm doing. And I felt like God said, what this man really needs is peace. And I started to think, I can't give him peace. I'm not at peace right now. But then I thought, but I know someone who can give him peace. And so I just simply told him about how Jesus brings peace into my life. And I shared two basic Bible verses that I could remember off the top of my head. John 14, where Jesus says he leaves his peace with us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He's the way and the truth and the life. And then in Psalm 23, which is always a great psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, talking about the peace he can bring. And I just asked him, do you, do you want that peace in your life? And he nodded yes. And we prayed for Jesus to come and bring him peace. And just a couple hours later, he passed away. And I had the honor and privilege of performing his funeral, the very first funeral that I ever had done. And I can tell you all the while, I was thanking God again and again, because I knew deep down, if it was up to me, if I had any way out, I was running in the opposite direction. So why is it that we as Christians often have such a hard time sharing our faith? Statistics say that the average Lutheran invites someone to church once every 26 years. All right, that's kind of depressing, but then add this onto it. Most people take five or six invitations before they decide to come and see. So 26 times five, that's 130 years. Nobody's got that time to wait, right? Why are we so hesitant oftentimes to share our faith? Is it because we're just nervous of what other people might say or think? Is it because we don't feel equipped? We don't know exactly what to say? Or is it because we're not really convinced that it's that urgent? Well, you might understand and believe that it is urgent, that people's eternity is at stake. You might believe that it's a good thing to share your faith with others, but I think for many of us, we just don't know how to go about doing it. Now, there are countless methods and pictures and things to memorize that can help us share faith. But I think oftentimes we make it way more complicated and way more awkward than we need to. 
So look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Notice it doesn't say always be prepared to give a sermon. It doesn't say always be prepared to give the five this or the seven that. No, simply be prepared to tell your story. If someone asks you, like, why are you hopeful in this broken world? Why are you at peace when you have difficulties and struggles that come up? Why do you take the time to go to that church on a Sunday morning? Or why are you involved in a small group? Are you ready to give the reason to tell your story for that hope that you have? Be ready to tell the story. What does Jesus mean to you? Are you prepared to answer that question if someone asks it? Well, if not, maybe it's time to start thinking it through because stories of faith are powerful. They express what God is able to do and what he's done and they give other people hope and inspiration. You know, one of my favorite stories that illustrates the power of testimonies comes in John chapter four. It's the story of the woman at the well. You might remember Jesus comes through town midday and he goes to the well in the center of town and there's only one woman there and that's on purpose because she tries to stay isolated from everyone else who despises her. So Jesus comes alongside her and has a conversation which is scandalous because men were never supposed to talk to women in public. But not only that, she's a Samaritan woman was the mortal enemy of the Jewish people. And so Jesus just starts to treat her with amazing dignity and respect, something that no one else does for her. And she notices his love and his grace. She notices that he's different. Now, Jesus knows that this woman is an outcast because she's been married to five different husbands and now is living with a sixth man. Now today, that's just a Real Housewives episode. But in the first century, that's a recipe for the death sentence. And so Jesus, again, she, he treats her with understanding and dignity and respect. He goes from talking about the physical water that they are getting and starts to tell her that he, he's offering living water that can change her life forever. And he does change her life with his love and his grace. And she's no longer the same. But the story doesn't end there because the woman then goes from Jesus to go and share her story in the town amongst all of these people who despise her. She just tells them what Jesus has done for her. And then she tells them to go and see for themselves. So look at how the story wraps up in verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Again, this woman is the most unlikely messenger in that culture. 
the most unlikely person to tell her story and her testimony. She wasn't an expert in theology. She didn't have all the answers to every question. She hadn't gone to multiple apologetics classes. No, instead, she just told her story of how her life was changed. And then she pointed people to Jesus. She said, go and see for yourself. And in the very last verse, it shows us, I think something that should make us very uh, relieved and give us confidence. She simply inspired them, made them curious. It's Jesus who closed the deal. You see, this is something any one of us can do. Any one of us can tell our story to someone. Any one of us can tell people, go and meet Jesus, go and see for yourself. And God will take care of all the details. You see, we don't have any pressure to change people's behavior. We don't have to somehow reprogram their morality. No, we simply facilitate a meeting with Jesus and he does the transforming work on their hearts. You know, stories are so powerful. Our culture highly values stories in all different forms, whether it's movies or television shows or video games or books, they all tell stories and stories capture our attention and they also form community. I mean, think about the times that we, we get together with others and we ask about the, the newest show that we're watching. Like, have you seen the newest episode of Ted Lasso? Let's talk about that. What does it mean to you? But have you also noticed that the the best and most compelling stories, even in secular culture, are stories of redemption and forgiveness? There are a huge amount of shows and stories that have been put into movies or into television or into video games that are even based on biblical themes. Movies like E.T. and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and The Matrix, just to name a few, because every person is trying to come to terms with the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of our lives. And every single person is looking for redemption and hope and grace. And so people resonate deeply with stories. Now you often hear us here at Calvary encouraging you to dig into your Bibles, to get into the word, to join a small group that meets around the word. And one of our biggest hopes is that in doing so, you will find your story in God's story. That you'll find where you fit in the story of what God is doing in this world. See, there's a thread that runs through all of scripture where God is on a hunt for lost people. He's on a mission to redeem and to save people who have wandered away from him. And what we see in his story is that people try every other place other than God to find meaning and wholeness and purpose. And through it all, God continues to pursue people in love. And he sends leaders and judges and prophets and kings to come and call his people back to him. And ultimately, he takes the drastic step of sending his only son, Jesus, into this world to live, to die to rise again so that we can truly have hope, so that we can be redeemed and forgiven and given new life. You see, God's story is your story. And if you were the only person on this entire 
earth, it would still play out the same way. He would still pursue you. He would still send Jesus to live and to die and to rise again for you, to save you and to show you his love. And so we need to be ready to share the story because our world desperately, desperately needs to hear it. We can point people to the hope they can have in Jesus and then let God take care of the rest. Well, I think there's a great story that happens at the end of the book of Acts that gives us a basic framework for how every one of us can do this in our everyday life. Now, we don't have time to read the entire chapter of Acts 26, so I would just ask you to read it on your own, maybe this afternoon or sometime this week, but I'll give you just a few of the high points. So the Apostle Paul is now in prison. He's nearing the end of his life, and at this moment, he's brought before a king named King Agrippa, King Agrippa is the great-grandson of Herod the Great who shows up in the Christmas story and tries to kill the baby Jesus. So he's brought before Agrippa and Agrippa invites him to share his story in verse one. This is what he says. You may speak in your defense. Like the floor is yours. What do you have to say for yourself? And so what Paul does, if we fast forward to verse nine, is he starts by talking about his life before he met Jesus. How before Jesus, he was actively persecuting and even killing Christians. This is what he says in verse 9. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could do to oppose the very name of Jesus, the Nazarene. This is what Paul was like before he met Jesus. Well, then if we fast forward to verse 12, he begins to talk about what it was like when Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up before him on the road to Damascus. Paul fell to the ground. And in that moment, God rescued him and sent him out to be a witness. Verses 15 and 16, Paul says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. So now Paul has talked about what he was like before meeting Jesus, and now this is when he met Jesus. And then if we fast forward to verse 19, he then starts to talk about what his life was like after meeting Jesus. What difference did he make in his life? His life was turned around. He went out to preach the gospel, to teach people the good news, and he was never the same again. In verses 19 and 20, it says, And so King Agrippa... I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles that all must repent of their sins and turn to God. So again, I think this provides a basic model for how we can tell our story in a powerful way. Now, we're not all gonna have this earth-shattering story like Paul did, but every single story represented here is powerful in its own way. So like Paul, I think we simply need to think through three questions. Every one of us should be ready to answer these three questions. Number one, what was your life like before meeting Jesus? Now I realize some people, it's kind of all you've ever known. Maybe you grew up in the church. 
Maybe you feel like you've been a lifelong Christian and we celebrate that, we praise God for that. But maybe there's a moment where he became real to you, where you kind of decided to really live your life for him. So maybe that's that moment for you. Number two, how did you meet Jesus? Is there somebody impactful in your life that shared the good news with you? Did you have an experience somewhere? Maybe it was at a Bible camp or a mission trip, whatever else. How did you meet Jesus? And then number three, what difference has Jesus made in your life? What does he mean to you today? How are you different because of what he's done? You know, when Jesus was about to leave his disciples and ascend into heaven, he had one more thing to say to them in Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. What I want you to see there is the word you. You, every one of us, is called to be a witness. What does it mean to be a witness? To just tell people about him. Now, your life doesn't have to be all perfect and full of rainbows and kittens and whatever else. You can just keep it real. Tell your story. You don't have to force it on anyone. Just wait for God to open up the door. Wait for a natural transition, a natural opportunity to tell the story. Wait for somebody to ask, you know, you seem different. Why are you so hopeful? Why are you so peaceful? Why do you take the time to be involved in a church? But whenever you get the chance, share the story. You know, all of these missional practices that we've talked about in this series, I think work together so nicely. I mean, every day we're starting with prayer. We're trying to find ways to listen to the needs around us. Taking time to sit around a table, especially with those people who are far from God. Finding ways to serve people as we discover their needs. And as we do those things, there's going to be those opportunities where we can share the story. But the question is, are you ready So I encourage every person here to do a little bit of homework. We don't give you homework often. So I just ask you to take the time to go home and to think through those three questions. Could you tell somebody in two to three minutes your testimony? Sometimes we call it your elevator testimony. If you're on an elevator with someone, they ask you what you believe. They ask you about Jesus. Could you give them a short testimony? I think part of that is practicing. Maybe it's just you in front of a mirror. Maybe it's you and your spouse. Maybe it's you and your small group or a friend, but are you ready to share the story? And then ask God to give you the opportunity to share it, especially with those people that you're praying for and those people you're listening to and those people you're serving and those people you're eating with. Now, you might not feel like it. You might be anxious about it and that's okay. You know, what's most important? Is it most important that we stay comfortable, we stay in our comfort zone? Is it most important how we're perceived by others? Or is what most, is most important helping people find their way back to a loving God? So let's be a church. Let's be a people who sold out on blessing the world. And let's not miss any opportunity to share the story of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks 
We give you thanks that you are a God who loves to bless people. You are a God who loves to change lives. You love to show us mercy and grace. And we see that so clearly in Jesus. God, because of Jesus, we, we have hope and we have forgiveness and we have new life and we have confidence for the future. But God, you know that our tendency is to just hold on to that and to just kind of keep it to ourselves. So God, give us the courage, give us the confidence, give us the words to share the story with others. God, give us opportunities to share the good news and then help us to just trust you that you're at work in it all and that you ultimately bring about the life change. And so God, I pray for every interaction that we're we're to have this week, every person we meet, every word that we speak, let it all give glory to you and let it all ultimately point people to the hope that they can have in you. So God, help us to be a church that's a blessing to this community and beyond and help each one of us live out these practices each and every day. We pray these things powerfully and boldly in the name of Jesus. And let's all say together.